This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Ask Blast, the highlight of my fucking week. I get to sit down for a chat with you lovely lot and I get to answer your questions and give some unprofessional advice that I hope help you with your dilemmas. So we've got a lot to get through today. Let's get started. How do you know if you have past trauma? I find this question quite interesting because now we've got into the habit of like, even if everything in our life is perfectly fine, because of the questions that we're all talking about now with trauma and healing from it, people are trying to like excavate trauma, whether it's there or not, or trying to create it. So if you are happy and you don't feel like you have anything traumatic that's happened to you in your life, and I mean this genuinely, I'm not talking about rationalising abuse and being like oh well that was an abusive relationship because blah 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 blah. I'm talking about genuinely if you have had a really wonderful life with no really awful things happening to you that is fucking wonderful and you should be very happy about that and you don't need to go excavating searching digging for trauma however if you are in the position of someone who is looking back on a situation in a different light with new information as now traumatic to you you're looking at it as traumatic to you this could be that you were growing up in a culture and a culture could be a family it could be a society it doesn't have to be like cultures in the arts or whatever if you grew up in a culture or a household that normalized a certain behavior that now you're in the big world you're seeing is actually very fucked up then that is a lot to recover from and there will be groups online i honestly my first step of realizing i had trauma with a relationship was googling Uh, the stuff that a man was doing and saying to me and then seeing other people just be so vehement about it being abuse that I couldn't even reckon with that possibility until I watched multiple videos of people affirming that reality. I think our intuition can often get very squashed when we aren't sure what is or isn't abuse. I also wouldn't get so caught up on the labels of trauma or abuse and more so about just things you need to heal from and things that have affected and implicated you. If the word trauma is too heavy for you to use, some women still even struggle calling what happened to them sexual assault or rape. I talk to women a lot about this online, in person, in groups and stuff, and they still struggle to uh, call what happened to them rape or sexual assault so if those words just feel a bit too harsh for you you can talk about them as being something that you just need to heal from the annoying thing about all of this is that none of it was your fault but unfortunately it is only your responsibility to take you out of it and learn and grow from it and that's that that's the bullshit about trauma is that it's just a fuckload of shit that's dumped onto you literally no one else can save you from And if anyone ever does try to sign you the solution, don't listen to them. There is no be all and end all thing or product or whatever. It's going to be an ongoing journey, but you've got this. Okay, on to the next question. What's the difference between being too hard on yourself and accepting responsibility? Oh, I think 
um, something that I've definitely encountered is that with this um, emphasis, particularly on the social media world of talking about self-help, healing, feminism, all this kind of stuff, there's an accountability culture that is so fucking important. People talking about how to be accountable when we make mistakes, the nuances of respect and boundaries and when we overstep people's boundaries we need to be responsible for them moments when we should have known better all of this stuff accountability is so fucking important and just like any good thing it can also be used to hurt people I feel like this is what your question is asking how do you know the difference between being too hard on yourself and accepting responsibility when it comes to I never like to outsource my intuition and my knowing. But if it comes to something that I feel I'm over punishing myself for, sometimes just saying it out loud to a friend. I've had I've had things in my head that I felt so guilty and awful for, said them out loud to friends, and have them literally laugh that I was mulling it over in my head for so long. Months. It could literally have been something passing in a conversation whatever I said, and I bring it up months later, I've been feeling bad about this. And they just laugh about it and go, oh, but that's fine because you you don't feel that way anymore. So what are you even worried about? And I think sometimes saying it out loud, it's almost like this fear of, particularly in the social justice corner of the internet, this fear of being isolated from a community for, for fucking up or making a mistake or saying something wrong or any kind of community really online. Because I think when, when any group puts a big importance on accountability, you can kind of use that word to get someone to apologize for anything, you know? I've had people try to hold me accountable, quote unquote, for not responding to harassing DMs. And that is just, when you look at it in black and white, that's that's wild. That's wild. It's like someone shouting at you and then trying to make you apologise for them shouting at you. It's all very odd. So I think you, you there's that's almost like a comedic example of someone trying to hold you accountable for something that you don't really need to be sorry for. But... In most cases, I think you know in your body you can apologise for things, you can learn from them, you can grow from them. I think you know, okay, the difference between being too hard on yourself and accepting responsibility is whether you're constantly punishing yourself over and over and over and over and over and over and over again for a mistake. It does you no good, it does the person you harmed no good, it does the situation no good. You can learn and grow from your mistakes and sometimes just saying out loud to a friend will help you to see it clearly for what it is. Okay, on to the next question. Is there a link between my dad abandoning me and my hypersexuality and needing constant male validation? First of all, I want to send you some love because this is a question that a lot of people ask me on my Instagram. And the awful thing is, is that this always gets called daddy issues. And what I love that someone said online once was, why do we call it daddy issues as though it's the girl's fault? The dad left her. We call it daddy issues and shame women for dating older men or constantly seeking validation from men when the dad left her there should be a name for dads that abandon their daughters and leave them with this gaping wound of abandonment that they carry around instead of shaming the girl for having that wound when it was it was put there by a man her dad who should have been there for her so I just want to say that first of all I thought that was an amazing point I found online there could be a link between your dad abandoning you and your sexuality needing male validation. I don't know your situation. I'm also not a psychologist. So I cannot fucking answer this question in probably the way that you require and need. But if there is some stuff there, I just don't want you to feel any shame about it. And even being able to talk about this and ask it and say it out loud is so 
bold and brave. And I think sometimes awareness is the first step in any kind of direction. Yeah, I mean, definitely I would advise reading some books or talking to a therapist about this kind of thing because I think a lot of people struggle with this and there just shouldn't be any shame around that because it's not a wound that was inflicted. You didn't do it to yourself, you know? Again, it's this thing of women growing up like this and women seeking and needing male validation. Whether your dad left you or not, women are always encouraged to seek male validation and any fucking crevice we can scrape and scoop it out from. So everyone's in this bullshit together lesbians sometimes spend a whole lifetime not being able to even know that they're gay because we are so forced to seek and desire male attention as women so there are women who just don't even know that they're gay like fully gay lesbian until very later on in life because they spend their whole life just performing 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 thinking there was something wrong with them for not being attracted to men instead of just listening to that bodily feeling that told them men aren't for them. So whether you have abandonment issues because your father left or he wasn't very present during your childhood, every single person is kind of impacted by male validation issues. Even some lesbians are affected by it. So I don't want you to have any shame about this. And I would definitely advise seeking a therapist to talk about this because I'm not a psychologist and I cannot make a link between any of this stuff that you're going through. Sending you so much love. Okay, on to the next question. I find it easier to speak out when men I don't really know are making me or my friends uncomfortable. But when it's a close friend of over 13 years, I'm finding it really hard to speak up and say something. Do you have any advice about how to talk to your closest mates when they are overstepping some boundaries? Gather some allies. So if this is someone in your friendship group or someone you know, gather some allies, talk to the other girlies or whoever it is about this person. Somewhat, maybe it's just one person you trust. You could passively mention something which will give permission for the other girl to speak up and say if she saw something as well. I completely understand how it's harder. Most of the time it's also because you never saw it coming with the person and it's that whole analogy of a wolf in sheep's clothing when someone you trusted in your life, you thought they were a sheep, the skin rips off, they were a wolf the whole time and you had no idea. It's like they got in with some kind of disguise. You start to question your intuition. You start to question your judgment of character. These things happen a lot of the time. It's definitely happened to me in my life several times over and over and over, trusting the wrong people and them showing their true colours. But there's almost always, if you talk with people in your life who also know the person, there were almost always some signs that a lot of you dismissed or didn't think were serious. And then you just become better at spotting it the next time. So I would definitely recruit some kind of ally or friend. And when I say an ally, I just mean someone to be on your side and see it from your perspective as well. I don't think you'll ever regret saying something. You will never regret telling the truth. You might cause a bit of destruction, but it will be worth it for you to just be in your integrity and feel like you're doing something that's important and right. Okay, on to the next question. How do I stop feeling ashamed and embarrassed for including quote-unquote vulgar imagery in my art, aka tits, women's bodies, the world, pussy? Vulgar? Did you just say vulgar and pussy in the same sentence? I'm assuming you're talking about other people's perceptions of it because absolutely not. Okay, how do I include this imagery and start being okay with sharing that with my friends and family? Okay, so I did this from a very young age. My dad told me that my work looked a bit like pornography, which to be honest, he was probably very right. There was definitely some inappropriate things I did when I was younger. Pictures of myself, pictures with friends that I thought was feminist and empowering and actually just wasn't at all. But when it came to my illustrations and my artwork, the thing with... There's, there's t photographs and one thing, but drawing 
is a completely other thing. And I think that including this imagery in your work also, it's a, it's a fine line between desexualizing the female body and then also just putting back out there images of women's bodies in a world that will sexualize them anyway. So you can't, for me anyway, I went through this phase of like, fuck the male gaze, I'm doing my own artwork and no one can tell me anything about it. And I'm just, it's empowering and it's feminist because I think so. And then sharing it with a community of women. But then weirdos getting hold of that stuff anyway. And it's just being completely out of your control. So accept that everything you do, whether the intention is feminist or not, to a portion of society, they will still make it the dirty thing that they want to. So where you say, quote unquote, vulgar imagery in your artwork... That's what other people think. And what you think about it is your thing. And you just have to decide whether you're okay with putting something out into the world and it being completely taken out of context. I think that I saw something recently that was like, we're not used to seeing women's bodies in particular outside of a sexual context. Most men come into contact with a woman's naked body through porn. And so any kind of imagery, whether it's like the fucking birth of Venus painting or some Renaissance painting where there are boobs out, it makes boys in classrooms uncomfortable. But 50 years ago, boys in classrooms would look at that and not squirm or feel uncomfortable at all because they hadn't seen women's body in a sexual way like that. They'd only seen it when they were being breastfed or seeing their mums getting changed. But now, even the, the slightest revealing of skin is seen as sexual. It's a society problem, not you problem, but you do have to be aware that what you're putting out into the world is going into society and that society is going to do what society does and it's going to sexualize women and it's going to change the meaning of your art in a way it's completely out of your control yeah so it's less about you being comfortable with it and more about you just doing it anyway if that's what you want to do also you can block your friends and family on instagram that's literally what i did when i first started my instagram account I just blocked everyone so i could do what i wanted without their gaze and then eventually when it became successful everyone was like oh floss that's so nice everything you're doing but they didn't like it before you know so a lot of people don't validate something until it's validated by other people that's typically when people try and um stop us from doing the things that we want in our life they don't validate it until it's literally validated by other people with gay marriage you might have homophobic parents and then a celebrity couple get married and gay marriage is legalized and they're like oh, okay it's okay for me to feel like this it's okay because other people validate it the same thing with a career path you're going on your parents might not validate it until you become successful all of this kind of bullshit a lot of the times it comes from a place of them needing to be liked themselves because they see you as a reflection of them whatever so maybe you just want to block the parents on instagram and go with that This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi Floss, I love the podcast and your book. I wanted to ask about friendships as I'm starting uni in September. I'm pretty good at starting up conversations, but I feel like I don't really know how to make that into an actual friendship. Any tips would be great. I stayed in student accommodation three to four years ago and I was the hostess with the fucking mostess. I invited a group of girls up to my room, which felt like a hotel because student halls, London College of Fashion had a student halls in North Acton and I stayed there. And I, it was a really high up floor. It kind of felt like a hotel room. And I invited everyone up and I made everyone pina coladas in my room. Brought them a little cocktail shaker from Plymouth. Got some ice from Tesco. Got the coconut cream, the pineapple juice, the rum, the pineapples, all the gorgeous stuff. And I made people cocktails. And then people just started coming to me for cocktails. So I eventually had to just say no more cocktail parties at mine because I ended up just throwing these parties so that people would like me. So definitely invite people into your life and host and bring people together and be that person. But also don't try to overstep your own boundaries and your quality time trying to please everyone and serve everyone. So my tip to you, (laughs) I don't really know what my tip there is, to be honest, but give and you shall receive. You will be able to connect people. Everyone's feeling in the same fucking boat. I made some really cute friends. I'm not friends with any of the people from uni now, actually, apart from a couple of people that I stay in contact with, maybe once or twice a year. But give to people, be the connector, be the host if you feel comfortable with it. Strike up a conversation with someone. Literally everyone is there to make friends. And anyone who's mean to you or starts to get all like cliquey with you and doesn't want to invite you out, whatever, just fuck them fuck them. I've definitely had that experience too at uni. I think some of the girls could smell it on me that I really just wanted, I yearned for acceptance and then had a little fun with denying me of that, which is some kind of sadistic thing that happens in high school and uni too, apparently. So fuck them. If anyone tries to make you feel like you need to chase for their acceptance or to be friends with them, fuck them. You're better off on your own. Okay, on to the next question. How do you take on constructive criticism while staying true to your creative vision? I take it from the people I fucking trust and not strangers online. So anyone who wants to fucking tell me, you can see I'm very angry and riled up about this. I go for it a lot. (laughs) 
anyone who wants to tell me this is wrong, this is wrong, blah, 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 blah. And it's some kind of subjective opinion on my work or my writing or my illustrations or whatever. I don't really take it from them. Uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't fucking hurt to hear. No one likes to hear horrible things about themselves. But anyone that says something like that, everyone's a critic. Like, everyone's a critic online. But when it comes to my team, I trust their opinions a lot. Because first of all, they know me. They know their industry. They've been in the industry for like 20, 30 years. Um, and even then, I don't have to take it on. You know, if someone's telling me, I don't think you should be drawing like this. I'll say, well, then go fucking draw something yourself and come back and then you can tell me how to draw. Because a lot of the times, people don't know your vision. You've also got to be okay with owning your vision and owning the mission that you go on. You cannot own your vision and own the mission you're going on and own the result, whether it goes well or bad, how the public receives it, if you let other people muddle with your vision. There's no there's no integrity in that. So you have to own your fucking vision, put what you want out there, and that way you can just own the failures and own the success completely, entirely, either fucking way. Okay, on to the next question. Did your Invisalign get in the way of kissing or sex? Just got one and I'm nervous. No, I kept it on the whole time. The entire fucking time. I've also taken it out during sex. But no, the only thing I was so self-conscious for at the beginning was, what you call it? Just my little lisp. So I had a little lisp with my Invisalign. So it made me really nervous about dating, but it didn't get in the way at all. I've kept it on and I've kept it off during sex. So that was fun. But you always have to wash it after, obviously. <laughs> okay, on to the next question. To keep creating while struggling with my mental health and bouts of depression. Okay, at the moment, I'm trying to do this thing where I'm doing at least one drawing a day. I don't struggle with depression, but definitely my mental health takes a hit during the winter. I'm trying to draw every single day. It brings me unparalleled amounts of fucking joy. I forgot how much I love drawing with a reference image also. So just going on Pinterest and then just using a side profile of someone's face because I don't normally draw with side profiles and normally draw straight on. It's changed my way of drawing entirely, just drawing people's side profiles. So that's my thing for drawing. I like to just switch up a bit, try drawing some new objects. Like yesterday, I tried drawing some tattoos. I tried doing some tattoo sketches of sacred hearts and daggers and crosses and women's faces and all of this kind of stuff so that was really fun for me definitely switching it up and trying something new with no pressure to release it so if you're having a, a drought of creativity try to make artwork that you think no one is ever going to fucking see that's usually where the best stuff is anyway okay on to the next question how do I stop comparing myself to other artists okay comparison is sometimes good for inspiration so you can be like fuck that person is so well skilled I if, if I look back at my earliest drawings on Instagram they are horrendous and someone would probably look at the way I draw today and be like oh my god how is her style so consistent the way I draw a face always looks like a floss face always and I can't even tell you it's just years and years and years and years like thousands of hours of practice of refining 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 but someone might look at that and be like oh it's just so natural and easy to her no it is now but it didn't used to be and I think it's it's looking at people's creative process and realizing that everyone has put so much fucking work into doing things the way they do and the best people make things look easy if you're really good at something you make it look fucking easy you make it look like anyone could do it you know when you go on tiktok and you see women pole dancing and it's fucking insane and you're like wow they make it look so easy I could do that no you couldn't she has spent fucking years trying to spin her ass around that fucking pole. And it's the same with artwork. Okay, on to the next question. How do you overcome the fear of new work not being as good as your own previous work? 
oh my God, I get this all the time. Particularly when you put your work out there and you do have an audience or you have someone to receive the work. There's a thing called like second book dread or whatever my editor was telling no, my book agent was telling me about it recently second book dread when you're writing your second book and you're worried it's not going to do as well as the first one or even if your first book didn't do well you're worried that perhaps that was the only thing you could have ever written and blah 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 blah, blah and all these voices get into your head so how do you overcome that fear I don't think you do I think you just keep fucking creating anyway I think that's it. I don't think you ever really overcome that fear. I think it's good to have that fear. I think it means you're a real fucking human being if you're worried about your work and how it's going to be received. But you just have to do it anyway. Okay, on to the next question. Once I start relying on my art for money, I start to hate it. How can I overcome this? I totally agree. Perhaps not with the money aspect. For me, it's more of a when I'm doing what I think I should be doing and not what I want and desire to do what I think the world needs so whenever my my art or whatever comes from a place of I should be doing this I should be doing this blah 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 I used to be in that place when I was reacting to the current news cycle online my audience want me to talk about this or I need to make artwork about this horrible thing that's going on that should comes from a place of desperation and urgency and it's not real you need to be creating things that you want to fucking create and that might take years to build you 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 might it might take years to build a portfolio of something whatever but sometimes the long-term projects are worth so much more in terms of money anyway so if you can like sometimes it's it's having another job to support this massive project that you're working on you know most people who write books like we have something else going on because writing the fucking thing takes so long and you've not got you don't get your advance money or you don't get all of it all of this kind of stuff to write the thing so most people do have you know another thing going on while there are tries to take off on the side and that's probably the best thing I would suggest for someone who wants to make art and keep it authentic if you want to keep your art authentic sometimes it's better to have something else going on also so that you're not relying on it to make money and watering it down or whatever okay on to the next question how to improve your attention span when you keep getting distracted from tasks okay I think all of our um well, there's a balance here, isn't it? It's, it's a lot of people realising they have ADHD because of the uh, diagnostic stuff for women being released. And also that there's another part of the population which don't have any ADHD, but are just getting so fucking distracted because we're consuming content in these fucking sound bites now where everything is such short term that we just completely switch off for anything that requires us for longer attention. So I would suggest to anyone who is trying to reverse this, consume longer content consume longer content watch films listen to podcast episodes create a bit of art try focusing on one task I have found it harder to get into flow state since I started using social media heavily during the pandemic it was harder for me to get into a state of just focusing on one thing meditation going for a walk all the fucking basic bullshit stuff is not basic and bullshit it's life-changing sometimes a walk is just what you need to change your life every single day a walk every single day could literally change your life. So in terms of your attention span, perhaps just doing something where you're focusing on one thing at a time. That would help. Okay, on to the next question. How do you break out of the belief that you aren't good enough and actually create something? How to stop being terrified of failure? I've been terrified of failure like throughout my entire career and I've still just fucking gone for it anyway. You have to trust yourself that you'll be able to deal with whatever collateral damage you have in your mind that's going to happen if you publish this work or if you put this out there. You can handle it. You can handle it. And also, it's just going to build a fuck ton of resilience. You need a lot of resilience to be an artist. So just start building it up now. 
Okay, on to the next question. Do I fancy my older female colleague or just want to be her? Help, I'm having bi panic. Okay, sometimes it can be both and it really doesn't matter. Like, just let yourself feel everything. Do you want to be with her or be her? It's the age old question. It, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes women are just so fucking cool and sexy. Like you want to be them and also you wouldn't mind kissing them, sleeping with them, holding their hand, doing all the gorgeous stuff. Sometimes it's both. I think you'll figure it out in your own time and in a way that feels natural to you. Don't put too much pressure on yourself, seriously. I think it's like the age old question. Also, just it's always going to be a thing of like dating people of the same gender. You're always going to have that issue. Okay, on to the next question. How to overcome a fear of rejection, especially as a queer woman? Oh, it's so frightening. I've spoken about this so many times. A lot of the time when people say, oh, women are frightening. We don't mean women are frightening. Women are dangerous. Women are scary in the way that we're frightened of strange men on the street. It's literally just frightening because women are so incredible, so beautiful, so complex that it's just like, it's nervous even trying to impress one, you know? It's nervous even trying to impress a woman. I don't really feel like this now, on my queer journey but when I first came out it was absolutely terrifying I've spoke on here once before about how I literally lied about my height on a fucking dating app on my first date with a woman I lied by an inch can you believe I lied about my height by a fucking inch I don't know what happens in that magical inch I don't know what I was even insecure about I'm not insecure about my height I just thought she'd be more impressed if I was an inch taller and obviously she fucking wasn't. So I've definitely been terrified shitless about dating women at the beginning of my queer journey. How to handle that? Do it anyway. Accept that it's part of the journey. Accept that this is something so completely fucking new to you. You have like a second adolescence. You have a second teenagerhood, whatever it's called. I don't know. You have a second one because you're basically being new at dating all over again. You know? Like it's just completely... It's territory that is fresh territory. It's a fresh fucking field of grass. You've never been on it before. You've never explored it before. Have fun with it. You're going to fuck up. You're going to have the time of your life. Okay, on to the next question. How to know when you have an unhealthy reliance on your partner? <sighs> this is a tricky one because I want to say when you feel like you know you have an unhealthy reliance on your partner when you feel like you need them around but that's just you know sometimes you need people like we're human beings we need people so there's a difference between codependence and interdependence we need people we all need each other we need people in our lives to help us to expand our vision to grow to evolve to shed skins to have amazing incredible experiences but we also need to learn how to be on ourselves so an unhealthy reliance on a partner might look like feeling anxious when they're not around, because they're not around. Feeling unsettled, feeling unable to complete tasks and live your life without them being around, I'd say that's probably an unhealthy reliance on your partner. Yeah. Because I think, I think there's something beautiful about missing people, but an unhealthy reliance would be feeling anxious a lot, like almost all the time if that person's not around. Okay, on to the next question. For these cold nights, do you have any good book recommendations, fiction and non-fiction? So currently I'm reading The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck. It's fucking incredible. It's changing my life. I've also only just read Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I've listened to her podcast for a while and I've just finally read Untamed because it was getting rave reviews a couple years ago. 
And it's fucking amazing. I love reading books about gay women, all the stuff she realised with her life. That was absolutely beautiful and such a good read. In terms of fiction, I haven't read fiction. I've been read, I've been on my like non-fiction vibe for a little while now. A good fiction book. I'm just going to say it because I say it every time. Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Fucking incredible. Absolutely fucking incredible book. Highly recommend. That's all for this week. It's so great being here with you. So please keep your questions coming and I'll be back next week for more of the same. Speak to you then. Love you. Bye.